What makes the difference between this person whose life is changed and there's a brightness and there's a, a victory and there's a triumph and there's a progress and this person who is simply an older version of what he or she was before? Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm Steve Hiller, and Colin, we could have someone listening today who would say, you know, I'm worried that I could be that person who's not changing. (laughs) Well, I'm worried that I might be. You know, you become a Christian. I've been a Christian for years. You don't have to do much to become an older version of what you were before. That's true. You just hang around, you know, and continue to live. The real question is, how am I growing as a Christian? In what ways am I becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ? And that is a profoundly challenging question. I would think that one of the things that uh, we ought to be doing is looking to see if there is growth and if there is fruit. Are are we cultivating those fruits of the Spirit? And that's really the point of the whole series that we're in with the Beatitudes. We really want to get some momentum and Mm. to make progress in our Christian lives. And we've been doing that from the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 5. Today we're really focusing on verse 8 as we begin this message about cultivating purity. Here's Pastor Colin. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We looked last time at what these words mean. We saw that purity of heart does not mean sinlessness of life. Several folks have said in the last week they found that really helpful. Purity of heart does not mean sinlessness of life. That's good news because, of course, Christians in this world are sinners in the process of recovery until we are translated into the nearer presence of Jesus. Of course, there is growth. Of course, there is progress. But there is never perfection in this life. If we say that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What does purity of heart mean? We saw that it means two things. A pure heart, first of all, is an undivided heart. Purity of heart is to will one thing. A pure heart is a single heart. It is the opposite of a divided heart. It is reflected in the Apostle Paul saying, it's not that I'm already perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I press forward to lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. So a pure heart is an undivided heart. And then we saw secondly that a pure heart is a clean heart. We saw that when Jesus Christ becomes yours and when you become his through this bond of holy union that is sealed with faith, three wonderful gifts become yours. In fact, there are many more, but we looked at just three. Justification, which is a legal matter in which in Christ God drops all charges against you. That's the security of your salvation. Forgiveness, which is relational. In Christ, God reconciles you to himself so that you're not his enemy now. You are his friend in Jesus Christ. And then cleansing, which is personal. In Christ, God washes your heart and he washes your life. And we saw that this sixth beatitude is obviously about this matter of cleansing. Blessed are the pure in heart. We're talking about something being washed. And what will come of it? Uh, They will see God. So we ended last time by seeing that this beatitude very wonderfully relates to God taking the baggage of your life, the effects on your soul of stuff that you've seen and you wish you hadn't seen it now, stuff that you've done and you wish you hadn't done it now, stuff that you've loved and it's had an effect in your heart and it's had an effect in your soul. And Christ's taking that and he's washing you. He's he's cleansing you. He is 
straightening out what has become twisted in the mind and in the heart. So we saw that this is a very wonderful thing. We're looking at how Christ deals with the twisted patterns of your thinking, how he deals with the misdirected patterns of our loving, how he deals with the compulsive patterns sometimes of our behaving. And so today we now come in the second part to the all-important question. We've seen what purity is. Blessed are the pure in heart. What a wonderful thing it is. And the question that's before us today is, how do I get more of it? How do I go after it? How do I pursue purity of heart? Well, it's hard to imagine anything that could be more important or relevant or more practical. I want simply today to offer two observations and then seven strategies. First of all, a couple of observations. The first is just to remind you that purity arises from the pursuit of the first four Beatitudes. Remember, we've seen that there is a roots-life-fruit pattern to the Beatitudes. The roots and the life we saw are in the first four Beatitudes. What are they? To be poor in spirit, to recognize your own need before God, to mourn your sins, meekness, which we saw is all about submissiveness to God, and a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that comes out of the first three. These first four Beatitudes are the roots and the life of godliness. And then out of them come the next three, which we've described as the wonderful fruit. What is it? It's mercy, blessed are the merciful, purity, uh, blessed are the pure in heart. And then we're going to go on, God willing, to see peace, blessed are the peacemakers. So the first four Beatitudes are the means by which we pursue the last three. And we've consistently made the point in this series, you can't just start from the middle of the Beatitude. You cannot simply start by saying, oh, well, now I want to go after purity. How can I get that? So someone asked me candidly, I really appreciated the honesty of the question after last week's message, what if you're not motivated to pursue purity? What if you know there's stuff in your life, but you love it too much and you just don't want to let it go? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? But you see, one answer to that is, well, go back to the second beatitude then that's about mourning over your sin, seeing what it's costing you, seeing what it's costing others, see what it cost Christ. So how do I get to the second beatitude? You get there from the first, which is to realize your own need and your own situation. And in fact, the, the problem of the heart that is not motivated in the presence of God and another answer lies in the, in the fourth beatitude. What do I do when I find myself in a position that uh, I'm loving something that I know shouldn't be there and I'm not ready to let it go? Well, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. How do I get there to the fourth beatitude from the third one, of course? What is that? To submit myself to God. Blessed are the meek. Now, my point here is a very simple one, and it's cumulative across this entire series. You cannot go after one virtue in isolation. The Christian life is a life, and each of these Beatitudes comes out of all that has gone before. The character of each pursues, comes out of the pursuit of those that went uh, before. And that's why we've called this series Momentum, How to Make Progress in your Christian life. And we've seen that often when one falls off and you say, well, now why was I thinking that? You're just cast back to the beginning and you begin to swing again and you move forward. That's what the Christian life looks like. 
Second observation is simply this. It's a very important one. God calls us as Christians to be proactive in the pursuit of purity. Now, it's very important to get this clear in your mind, and so let me just briefly draw your attention to the language of the Bible in relation to purity of heart. It is consistently proactive in the call that God makes to us as believers. Let me give you some examples. James chapter 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, who's acting here? Who's the active agent? Purify your hearts, God says. He's calling you to do something. He's calling me to do something. He's calling us to be proactively engaged. There's something for you to do. Active. Uh, for example, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, you find the same thing. Since we have these promises, beloved, so he's talking again to believers, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. Again, notice who is acting. We are. We are to do something. Let us cleanse ourselves. That's the language of Scripture when it comes to the pursuit of purity of heart. And it's consistent. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Maybe you've not noticed this before and it's just slipped by you. It's very important for the pursuit of the Christian life. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. You see, think about this. The Bible never speaks about Christians justifying themselves. How could we possibly do that? The only time you ever have anything like that is the rich young ruler who tried to justify himself and, of course, found that he couldn't. You can never do that. But the Bible does speak about purifying ourselves consistently, again and again, cleansing yourself, it says. Something for you to do. So something is different here. Something is distinct. It's very important. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3. Here's the, the, the last of the ones I'll give you. I could give you many more. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself purifies himself as Jesus Christ is pure. Now, notice again, this is something in which the Christian is actively engaged. I wonder if that's something you would have been thinking. Is that in your mind? That the pursuit of purity is something in which God calls you to be actively engaged. So, this is of huge importance, and it's a vital distinction to get clear. The language of the Bible is always passive to us in regards to our justification, but it is consistently active for us in regards to our sanctification. When it comes to by being made right with God, and we looked at all that this means just last week, we can only look to Jesus Christ to do it. We have to say, nothing in my hands I bring simply to your cross I cling. That's justification. But sanctification is different. Of course we look to Jesus Christ to make us holy, and I could quote you many scriptures in regards to that, but the pursuit of holiness is one in which from all of these scriptures and many more, the Christian is always called actively to be engaged. So just to quote Bishop Ryle here to uh, summarize this point, uh, he says this, in justification, 
our own works have no place at all, and simple faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that is needed. In sanctification, that is the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of purity, our own works, he says, are of vast importance. What you do makes a huge difference, a huge difference. And God gives us, notice the language, bids us to fight and to watch and to pray and to strive and to take pains and to labor. That's all biblical language about the pursuit of purity, the practical engagement of a Christian believer in regards to the pursuit of the Christian life. So, when it comes to being reconciled to God, I cast myself upon Christ, and Christ by His grace becomes mine and I become His. When I'm pursuing the Christian life, Christ has given me His Spirit, and because He has given me His Spirit, He calls me as a believer to be actively engaged in the pursuit of purity and of holiness. So, understand this. God puts a responsibility on you, on me, with regards to your growth, my growth, in the Christian life. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating Purity, part of our series called Momentum, all about how we make progress in the Christian life. And if you miss any broadcast in the series, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org, or you can listen through the Open the Bible app, which is free. You'll find it at your app store. Simply search for Open the Bible, and that's a great way to take Pastor Colin's teaching with you on the go. All right, let's get back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. Understand this. God puts a responsibility on you, on me, with regards to your growth, my growth, in the Christian life. Now, pause there for just a moment. I'm absolutely convinced that confusion on this single point is a major reason why so many Christians never really seem to make much progress. And it's tragic that that is true. But I'll tell you, I have been a pastor now over 30 years, as most of you know, and I have seen people wonderfully changed And people who in large measure have got free from baggage and stuff in their past, and they have mastered the sharp tongue and the fearful spirit and the self-absorbed life, and it's wonderful. And I've seen over a period of many years that there are others who, despite professing faith in Jesus, really seem to make very little progress at all. And they remain pretty much as they were. And what happens over time is that they simply become an older version of what they were before. Nothing really seems to change much. So I ask, what makes the difference? What makes the difference between this person whose life has changed and there's a brightness and there's a a victory and there's a triumph and there's a progress and this person who is simply an older version of what he or she was before. And I'm absolutely convinced, my friends, that the practice of the seven things I want to lay before you today is at the heart of the difference. And you know which you want to be, and I know which I want to be. And so what is before us right now in these moments and the practice of it 
is of huge importance. There are things for you to do. And inasmuch as you do them, you will make progress. And inasmuch as you do not do them, you'll simply slide into being an older version of what you were before. So seven practices, seven things you can do that promote purity of heart. Here we go. Number one, believe. This is something for you to do. And I'm thinking of James chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7. The practice of trusting Jesus Christ to change you. Many people who profess to be Christians simply do not believe that Jesus Christ is able to deal with the baggage of their lives, period. They feel and they often say that the temptations are too strong, that their failures are too many, that their wounds are too deep, that their own lack of change has persisted for too long, and they actually feel that all of this is beyond even Jesus Christ himself. And I'm saying to you that if you in your heart of hearts do not believe that Jesus Christ is able to change, cleanse you, then at that point you are not exercising faith in him. I do not say, by the way, that you are not a Christian. Remember, Jesus said to his own disciples, where is your faith? He was not saying that they were not his disciples. They were his disciples, but they were not exercising faith, and that was why they were in such, a, uh, in such difficulties and why they were making such little progress. And it is possible to profess belief in Jesus Christ and yet not to exercise faith in the power of Jesus Christ to actually change you. And James makes this point that when we come to ask of God, we have to ask in faith. And that if we do not come as those who have faith in his ability to change us, then we're double-minded people, and a double-minded person will not receive anything from the Lord, is what James says. So that may be why there is so little progress, because you, in your heart of hearts, you do not really feel that Christ can change you. You do not have a vision of what he can cause you to become, and therefore there's no active pursuit of it that's going on in your life. So I'm suggesting to you then first that here's something to do, because progress in the Christian life begins with believing that Jesus Christ is able to cleanse you. So to every person who's languishing in some kind of despair, and you feel that the habits of your mind are too ingrained, and the inclinations of your heart, they're just too deep, and the pool of your uh, desires, it's all just too strong, I want to say to you, look to Jesus Christ the Savior. He's cleansed other people. He's made extraordinary difference in the lives of other people. Why not you? Why don't you exercise some faith? You say you believe in him. Why do you not have some faith in him to change you and begin to ask of him in that regard? So here's the first thing. Believe that is the practice, and it's something to do. You actually do this, of trusting Christ to change you. Number one is belief. Number two confess. And this is not, you know, here are seven, pick one. This is here are seven, pursue all, okay? Number two, confess. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm thinking here about the practice of naming and opposing particular sins in your life. And you know this verse well, I'm sure. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. So here's the cleansing from all unrighteousness. Now, notice that the confessing and the cleansing 
are tied together in this very important verse of Scripture. When you set your mind to go after purity and you begin to exercise some faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe he can change me too. The next question really is, in what do you want him to change you? What sins in particular do you need to set your mind and your heart against and ask his power to overcome? What are the big sins that lurk in your heart that need to be hunted down consistently whenever they rear their ugly head? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it laziness? Is it all of the above? And what else besides? If you cannot name or think of two or three specific sins that you're actively engaged in fighting right now, it probably means you're not making much progress in your Christian life. Whoever wins a battle without knowing what they're fighting against? This is the power of confession. So build it into your life to bring specific sins as a regular part of your prayer, to identify them and say, this I confess, this I seek your cleansing in, and this, O Lord, I'm asking for your help to overcome. I want to make progress against this. I don't want to simply be an older version of myself in 10 years with this exactly as it is in my heart right now. I want to make progress, and that's all confession. And, and of course, you'll know that our primary calling is to confess to God, but the Bible also speaks of the value and power of confessing to one another. Confess your sins to one another, the Bible says, and pray for one another that you may be healed. James chapter 5 and verse 16. And James is describing an environment of trust here, where you have a relationship with someone who you trust and respect and someone who loves you, and you're really able to open up to them. What is the front line of the battle in your Christian life? so that they can pray with you, and they can help you, and they can encourage you, and you really can make progress and not simply stay the same year after year after year. So do this, especially if you are struggling to gain victory over a particular sin or temptation in your life. Well, we do have to pause the message right here. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Cultivating Purity part of our series, Momentum, all about how we make progress in the Christian life. And we've been looking at some practices that will help promote purity of heart. Really, we've just looked at two today. We'll look at five on our next broadcast, so I hope you'll make it a point to tune in. If you ever miss a program, come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported broadcast. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you Pastor Colin's latest book. It's called Six Hours That Changed the World. And Colin, who is this book written for? Well, the book is all about what happened during the six hours that Jesus hung on the cross. Jesus spoke seven times during these six hours, and each time we learn more about what Jesus was doing while he was there. I mean, he was praying, he was opening up heaven, he was carrying our sins, and most of all, he was pouring out his great and everlasting love for each one of us. Now, I think Christians are well aware of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that was poured out for us on the cross. But you will know someone who does not yet grasp the love of the Lord Jesus Christ for them. 
So this gift book is especially for him or for her. And if you're looking for a clear, biblical and compelling presentation of the gospel to give to someone in your life this Easter, I hope you'll get hold of a copy of Six Hours That Changed the World and give that to him or to her. Well, we would love to send you a copy of Pastor Colin's newest book, Six Hours That Changed the World. It's our way of saying thank you for your financial support. Find out more or give online at openthebible.org or call us at 877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. Or again, our website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Maybe you think that purity is something that you have when you're young, then you lose it when you mess up. But in the Bible, purity is something that you go after. Pastor Colin Smith explains how to pursue purity next time on Open the Bible.